And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on uh, where you are at this time. The live chat is open if you are uh, watching us live on our TV channel. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor-in-chief here at SciFiForMe.com. They call me Mr. Boss. My pronouns, me, myself, and I, because I am in charge. At least they let me think so. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. It is Monday, and uh, the start of a week. Uh, DC Fandom, of course, this past weekend. We'll be talking about that tonight on the H2O podcast at 8 o'clock. And I do have viewer mail. Uh, so I'm going to get to, to that here very quickly because this is something I meant to do last week. Uh, Ricky sends in, one of the comments you made about exposure to fantasy and science fiction made me think back to what got me into the genre. It was through a series of Marvel comics that were written by Harlan Ellison. It turned me on to him and made me a fan. As for The Forever War, and this refers back to our interview with Joe Haldeman, I read it months ago and found it a great metaphor for the Vietnam War. Every time the soldiers return to Earth after their tour of duty, they find the world has changed as time has passed while they were gone. That is, uh, that is from Ricky, uh, who also has made the request that we interview Mercedes Lackey. And uh, Ricky, just to uh, address that, we have sent an invitation out to Mercedes Lackey. We've heard back. And uh, right now, the live part of the show is not an option, but we are trying to see if we can do some kind of pre-recorded conversation with her so we will uh, we will let you know as as that develops and uh, speaking of live conversations today we have with us a guest mr robert geronimo hello sir i'm good robert is the writer and creator of the comic book the indie comic book blood realm which is currently being published at alterna comics uh, and I understand uh, this is now an ongoing title. Is that right? All right. Anything? Anything planned after the six? Or is that still to be determined? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, somebody says Robert says has no audio. So let me turn on Robert's audio. Oh. Now, Robert, hello. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it is Monday. Oh, my god. Typical Monday. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you, Eastland. Thank you, Robert, in, in the chat for, uh, for letting me know. So, Robert, Blood Realm. Yes. Currently published by Alterna Comics. We'll fix it in post. Um, so good. <laughs> now you say there's there's six issues, and uh, you mention a Blood Realm universe. Does that mean to imply possibly that there's more to come at some point? No. So basically, it's going to be six miniseries, three issues in each. So right now we are halfway through. The third issue of the third miniseries is coming out, I believe, first week of September uh, from Alterna. And then there'll be three more miniseries after that. But now we're going to have ongoing 
uh, numbers now because since Alterna broke away from Diamond, we're able to do that with the indie books, which was I'm really excited about. Now, what kind of comment? Uh, because we talked to Peter here not too long ago about mm. I guess three weeks ago we had him on the oh. show and we were talking about the the changes with the uh, with Alterna leaving Diamond. The, yeah. the conversations that Peter had with all of you creators mm-hmm. uh, was was the focus more on the disappointment in Diamond or the opportunity now that exists because Diamond is no longer part of the picture? It was well, we were we were already frustrated with Diamond before that. So uh, when he said that, uh, we were all just and personally me. I don't want to speak for everyone, but. I was happy because then we started to talk about the possibilities, what we could do, because we really, we were basically at Diamond's you know, will, uh, the way they run things, the way they distribute things. So we didn't have much freedom. So we were limited. But now since you know we have Indiegogo and crowdfunding, and now that he is dealing directly to the readers and the consumers, we can play more. You know, We can come up with different ideas and more fun projects. So we're not really, I would say, restrained by Diamond. Is that making a difference in terms of what kind of stories you're now thinking about telling? Because Blood Realm, I imagine, has been planned out, and you had that already on the books for a while. And then the Diamond thing happens. So Mm -hmm. now what possibilities does that open up in terms of story structure, arcs, are you able to tell the big grand sweeping things? Are you guys going to do some kind of an alternate universe crossover event crisis thing? <laughs> well, uh, everyone wants that. But uh, from what I've been told by Peter, it's much more complicated because when I mean, you have certain guys leave, you know, say their contract is up and maybe they want to do something else yeah. and then it, it gets messy. But <laughs> I would love an alternate universe though. That would be unbelievable. Uh, Eastland uh, in the chat says, I hope Alterna makes more comics, a real direct market, not a so-called direct market. And yeah. and and Peter has been all over Twitter. Uh, anytime oh, they sign a new retailer uh, mm-hmm. as a direct retailer, because basically what he's setting up is uh, another distribution path exactly. for the comics to go directly from Alterna to retailers, but also directly from Alterna to consumers. Is this, is this another nail in the coffin for retailers though? I mean, how, how does this affect shops? Do you think? I think personally, I think shops need to realize that there's a new wave of indie coming and the new wave is crowdfunded books and I think you're going to have to get those books in your stores because these are the people who are mostly interacting with uh, the fans and the fans are ordering and supporting and pre-ordering their books online. So they have a following and to not get those books in at this point, you know, it's just going to be a detriment because the market has changed completely. I mean, drastically. Yeah. Well, what about, okay. So, one of the things that I have noticed, and this has been commented on by a number of creators who do the crowdfunding, because mm-hmm. uh, I've seen I've seen Ethan talk about it, Clint has talked about it, Peter's talked about it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Richard, the the idea of a retailer tier of sorts, because with crowdfunding yes. books, you're limited to how many you print. It's not sure. you know you're not doing a hundred thousand or twenty thousand even. It's 
I'm going to print 1500 or I'm going to print 5000. Mm-hmm. Has 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 crowdfunding these books evolved enough to the point where somebody has figured out that part of it? Because I know there have been a couple of times I think Clint has done a retail tier. Uh, right. I think Ethan's done a retail tier, but I don't see mm-hmm. that all the time. And when yeah. you do a retail tier, how can you do that with, you know, how many how many copies of the book do you print? How many do you make available? I, because, you know, with pre-ordering mm-hmm. from comic shops, you know, they get the previews. They're two or three months ahead. They know how many they're going to need. Right. So is that is that a hiccup in the in the process that still needs to be figured out? It, it's hard to say because I, I know there are some shops, I have to say, that they're kind of just, they're a little stubborn. Mm. They're not kind of with it. And, you know, the response to the retailer uh, tier isn't super uh, strong. So I think personally, it, it may be the other way around where these shops need to just kind of accept that. Some of them are. Some, are, some of them are doing that because uh, it, it's, it's a different climate, you know, the industry in order to survive. But uh, in terms of the, the retailer too, like I'm going to do one for my project Wirehead, which is coming out in October. So um, it's, it's important to do. I want to give that opportunity to comic shops, especially the ones that have been support, supporting my work, you know, with Blood Realm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, but they gotta, we need to see more response for it. You know, right now it hasn't been that popular. We've got the screen up here for Wirehead's graphic novel. When does this launch? Because you're in pre-launch now, so people can yes. sign up to be on the newsletter. When does this actually go live? October. I, th- I feel like it's fitting, right? A slasher book that's going to go live in October. <laughs> so a slasher book. A cybernetic creature wreaks havoc on unsuspecting teens in the Pocono Mountains. Yes. Uh, so, you're yeah, that does sound <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like your typical slasher Um you know, uh, oh, yeah. the cabin, the cabin in the woods type of scenario. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So uh, l- let me let me ask you this then, because the there's been a lot of discussion back and forth among creators. People seem to be learning from each other in terms of these crowdfunding things. Yes. Uh, you look at some of these creators. Brian Polito, I think, is probably the one in the lead with the number of projects that he's done with crowdfunding. I mean, he just mm-hmm. keeps doing them over and over and over again with Lady Death and, and Coffin yeah. Comics and that. And then, of course, you've got, you know, Richard Myers on his, I think, sixth or seventh project. Ethan's oh, he's done insane. A of them. <laughs> are, are you all talking to each other and advising and say, hey, I, fa- I figured this part out. I, I did this. Don't do this. I, you know, are, are you learning from each other? Are you talking behind the scenes and, and not necessarily coordinating, but giving each other tips and, and advice as you go through this process to kind of refine the best practices for everybody to use? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about this is that, you know, everyone is really open to help, which I really like. Like I've spoken to Clint many times. He was great. And uh, obviously Peter is very experienced with Indiegogos. I've spoken to Richard uh, back and forth just occasionally, but everyone's willing to give some of their time up to, hey, you know, I would recommend this. So I find that very positive compared to stuff that I'm used to when I interned at Marvel Comics, where it was just like a wall. <laughs> You know, it's like, like you couldn't even say anything. If you were at Marvel Comics when I was interning, you couldn't even say you wanted to be an illustrator. Like it was like, uh-uh, you don't say that here. It's like, well, what? 
So what were you what were you doing as an intern then? What were your responsibilities? What they what they have you gophering to do? I was I yeah right. <laughs> I was doing. <laughs> I was working in the uh, the bullpen production, so oh, okay. basically getting the artwork, scanning it, scanning it in, uh, cropping it, get, getting everything print ready. And it was it was a great learning experience. But I I, I realized uh, when I was young and I was in college at the time that this is not a place I wanted to work yeah. working because it just kind of sucks the creative spirit out you know what i mean i do yeah so <laughs> so uh question in the chat from eastland uh talking about the new model do you foresee a time as yeah. an independent creator and now you you've you've had your foot in the pool over at marvel for a while you've dealt with some of that do you foresee a time where the comics industry as a whole, we have less involvement at the editorial level, less involvement of publishers, and it's going more indie, more crowdfunded? Or is there going to be still a good mix? And for for good or for ill, mm -hmm. the fact that so many crowdfunded books don't have editors... Yeah. How much does that impact things? Because, you know, you guys are all indie. You're finding right. each other in terms of writers and artists and, and inkers and colorists. And, and there mm -hmm. is no there is no major networking like you would find, you know, DC and Marvel. Well, the DC guys hire more DC guys and they hire some Marvel guys. And, you know, you guys, are they're going back and forth between the two. Mm -hmm. But with crowdfunding, you know, the Comicsgate group or any of the independents that are out there, there, mm -hmm. there are no editors. There, I mean, you might have some beta readers, but there's really not that, that struck that creative structure, that creative flow that you would normally get from a traditional publisher like DC, Marvel, or Image, right. or or any of those. How much does that affect the quality of the work? Do you think? Okay. Well, th there's two answers. So, uh, the first thing is that I will say this from from experience and from friends who do work for the, those publishers the editors today are basically not doing anything. So a lot of my friends who work for those publishers feel like they're already on their own. And sometimes the, like the editor, I feel isn't quite doing the job that they used to do back in the day. You know, Jim Shooter and all those guys. I think it's very different now. So it's almost like they're glorified, I would say like spell checkers, <laughs> unfortunately. But, uh, but then now, of course, no matter what's going to, you know, when you have indie people who have a hard time editing themselves, you're going to have books that are not quite ready yet and maybe need a couple of drafts. But that's the weeding out process. You're going to get that. Yeah. So I think eventually people are going to have to learn that they're going to have to really be critical about them, about themselves in terms of their work and their editing skills, or if they should hire an editor. Because there's going to be competition in the indie market. Is there room in the crowdfunded model for someone like a gym shooter, or you know, like a, an an editor who's maybe not necessarily involved in one single book, mm. but uh, you know, freelance or or even just sure. sets, you know sets up, you know, I'm going to edit ten books this year. Who's going to do it? And you know, who's going to send Ooh. me books? And and because, you know, Eric Weathers is lettering how many dozens of books right now because, sure. you know, Eric Weathers is the guy. I mean, you've got two yeah. or three guys who are doing lettering. And it seems like there is uh, a go-to 
person or two or three. I mean, Charlie Snogans is getting a lot of traction right now, oh, um, yeah. especially after that video where he's where he's <laughs> ambidextrously drawing <laughs> drawing salamandroid. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. So I mean, and he's a really good illustrator, and oh, you yeah. start you start to see certain names start to bubble up to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I would think that maybe. Uh, on the back side of things, that there might be somebody in the editorial side of things who could serve that purpose as well, that maybe some of these people that don't have that skill uh, or don't have enough, you know, self-critical skills to, you know, to be honest with themselves and say, well, this isn't working, I've got to do something different. If there might be a place where somebody could do that, freelance or as a group somebody hires a, an editor or two to take on all of these books in this box over here sure yeah that, that could be interesting i guess what would happen is the people would submit books to those editors those freelance editors and then they would kind of like decide if they would take them on as opposed because then basically you're paying them for a giant critique yeah but you don't really want i mean you want you're looking for an editor so i best that i guess that person would say all right, no, this isn't quite ready, you know, or I have too many projects on right now. So, I mean, that could be interesting, but uh, I wonder how far that would go with, like, like you said, like people who are the bigger names, like they probably wouldn't jump on something like that because they probably feel like they have enough experience. Right. And at what point do you decide or do you determine you've got enough experience, you know what you're doing with this stuff? Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I see people who are still, yeah, I mean, R- Richard, for all of the ones that he's done, he's still figuring things out. You know, oh, it, yeah. every project, somebody says, oh, I learned X. You know, this Always. is something, oh, I'm never going to do that again. You know, I don't know how don't many know. times I've heard that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but especially when it comes to shipping. You know, with with all right. of the deliverables, all of the, uh, you know, the, the fulfillment side of things seems to be where things break down a whole lot more often. Yeah. So right. have the discussions back and forth between you and Clint and Richard, or that, have you covered uh, the best way to get these books out? I mean, I know everybody's talking about the Gemini mailers. Right. And, yeah. and Ethan's got his own branded packing tape i mean you know but it seems like there's there's this almost somebody could put together all of the advice into a guide into a into a handbook almost is here's your here's your handbook to crowdfunding indie comics right maybe somebody should crowdfund the handbook to crowdfunding (laughs) someone should do that on that right you know what it is? It just because it keeps evolving and people keep coming up with different ideas. Like, like you say, now it's Gemini, but now I know Peter is moving towards something else. And he was, you know, we're going to discuss uh, what that should be uh, when I, you know, with the fulfillment of Wirehead and everything like that. So it's constantly changing. Yeah. So and, it's. And yeah. it's pointed out, you, you've got Ethan making toys now. Right. Exactly. You know, that's the next, I mean, is, is, are we, are we all following in McFarland's footsteps then, I guess? Absolutely. I think we're all, honestly, I think we're all a future or all little, little mini McFarlane's. Well, not mini yet, but well, you know what I mean. Yeah. What, what do you think about the idea? Uh, the, there's, there's been a number of comparisons made between mm-hmm. the crowdfunding realm now and right. the development of image comics back in the day. And I don't, I don't see personally, I don't see you guys, forming a collective company or anything like that 
but it feels like the attitude is about the same. It's, I want to own my stuff. I want to own my own creative. I want to own my own IP and mm-hmm. develop it into whatever it, it becomes. Yes. Um, but one thing that, I've, uh, that I have noticed is, uh, is that most of you, if not all of you, mm-hmm. are focused more on making the book. Right. It's not in, and I've seen a lot of criticism about you know don't get into comics as your audition to Netflix. Yeah, oh yeah. Don't get into comics in order to get the the movie deal. Get into comics yeah, to make comics. That's it. Is that really that pervasive in in the traditional publishing side of things in comics that everybody is in there just as a stepping stone to get something else? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's that's majority. <laughs> Yeah. Of, of of the mentality of a lot of the creators is that eventually, hopefully, this can get optioned. And, you know, if you're going in for that reason, then I don't know, that then you might as well just write a script for a film then. Because a lot of people look at the, the comic and they use it as proof of concept for a film or TV show. But I'm here to make a comic because that's what the medium is meant to be. Right. You know, and I think that has really just poisoned the direction of the industry as a whole. All of your stuff so far seems to be in the horror realm of things, right. the horror side of things. Is that your, is, is that, that what, is, that's what you grew up watching? That's uh, you know, those, those are the movies you, you sat and watched <laughs> on Saturday or. It's true. Yeah. It, what's funny is though, I, I originally worked in children's books. So <laughs> I think this has been trying to claw its way out. <laughs> And I just let the beast out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so where did the idea for Blood Realm come from then? I'm a huge fan of mythology and uh, religion and everything like that. I love to do research on uh, Greek mythology in particular, like Clash of the Titans from 1985 or 84. One of them, uh, the check can correct me, was one of my favorite films of all time. And I tell, I tell people every time that that Medusa scene really just was an eye-opener for me because... I love sword and sandals, you know what I mean? And shields and all that stuff. But that scene in particular made it like horror because the whole mood of the whole movie changed when they entered this, these ancient ruins, it's, it's darkly lit, you know, you ha- and suddenly you have the snake tail and it becomes this little horror, this little mini horror movie. Yeah. And I was blown away and I was like, this is the kind of stories I want to tell them. I like the whole book like this. And that's the kind of stuff I really loved to draw when I was young, you know, different creatures and guys with swords trying to kill those, those big monsters and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, Eastland says gods of Egypt, good or bad movie. Do you think? I have not seen that, but I, I, I always wanted to, I, I love, I love me a good, like one of those, it's so bad. It's good movies. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I've heard. So, uh, sword and sandals are, are is that something, are, are we going to lean into that a little bit more with other, uh, other stories or is it, you know, is blood realm going to be your primary space for that? And you're going to do uh, other experiments in, in different types of horror, depending on what you're doing. I mean, wireheads, a slasher, what right. else, what else have you got percolating that you want to try? Um, well, now uh, I was telling Peter about Wirehead. He was, I was telling him different ideas and other stories. And he was like, you know, you need to just make this a slasher universe with different monsters. And I was like, oh, well, now that you said that, now I have to do that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So, so yeah. So I think um, 
the plan is that we'll see how well Wirehead does. Hopefully it does well. Uh, there's always that nerve wracking fear, you know, before you launch a campaign and everything sure. like that. And then uh, I have other stories in that genre, but like I like to fuse genres. So for people who've been reading Blood Realm, they know that each volume kind of has a different feel. So like the first one is kind of like your Fellowship of the Rings, of the Ring rather. And then the second one is your Dungeon Crawl. And then the third one is your sci-fi dark fantasy epic. So I like to fuse genres all the time because I'm a big fan of Jack Kirby and his epic cosmic tales just fused everything together. And I think that's what makes it timeless. So that's something I always tried to bring into my work. Now, is there, uh, I know it's because Wirehead's the cybernetic one, so I guess that would be your Frankenstein's monster, perhaps, your, right. your robot. So you've got the Wolfman, you've got the Mummy Analog, you've got, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got quite a few there uh, that you can do. Um, yeah. Any aliens in the works? Any any plans for extraterrestrial invasions or anything like that? Or, you know, have you got a War of the Worlds in you somewhere? I have, I have something cooking. If Wirehead... Like I said, if it's if it's well received, I, I have absolute plans of seeing some uh, extraterrestrial activity. <laughs> Eastland in the chat says, "I want to make and put out a board game at some point. It has to be mm. painted or printed. Color matching art's not not her thing. How mm-hmm. do you enter into areas that are unfamiliar to you? So if you've got well, if, for for example, you're doing your very first crowdfunding project." Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody is starting out, right? Somebody is. I got. I've got this idea, but I don't know. I don't know exactly how to put it all together. What's What's your recommendation for first steps? How would somebody go about? If I've got. If I got. I've got an idea for a game, for example. Okay. What's the? Where do Where do you turn for research and support and comfort and and help right. for something like that? Um, well, I definitely want to look at the people who have succeeded with that type of thing. Who else is crowdfunding games, for example? So I would try to reach out to those people and say, like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, I would, I'm, I'm just getting started. Do you have any pointers or tips for me before I dive into this? And the second thing would literally just dive in. Like, you, you got to get rid of that fear, you know? It's like, because everything is going to be unfamiliar, at first, but then the more you catch up and you start to learn about it, you start to master it. It takes time. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, I would try to get involved in, in the communities within that genre, that particular medium. And, you know, some people will be very, you know, generous with their time. Like I said, even with the, the Indiegogo people, like who've been crowdfunding, like Clint, everyone's been very good. Is there has has there been a point in all of this where you kind of take a look around and you go, oh, how did I get here? What am I do- what am I doing here? What what how, you know we we went from from A to B to Z and and now you're you know you're crowdfunding books, you're published in Alterna. Right. Is it has it been kind of a surreal journey for you yet, or is this something that just well, of course this is where I'm going to be because this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, I always knew, I always wanted to make comics. Like even when, when we were kids, uh, the teacher would say, "All right, what, you know, what do you want to do?" Friends would say, "Policeman, fireman." I would say, "Comic book creator." Everyone would be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, "Yep, that's what I want to do." <laughs> yeah. 
So. Well, and and you're young enough now still that uh, that your dreams have not been crushed, and, and you know now that <laughs> well. now that you've actually succeeded in in creating some comics. I mean, the other the other aspect of that is it's yours. Yeah, and it's huge. you're writing it, you're drawing it. Is, is that right? You're doing all the yeah. artwork with Blood Realm. I, I do everything. It's uh, there's no sleeping. It's it's writing, artwork, lettering, coloring, everything. What are the possibilities because at some point if if we're looking at this crowdfunding model as the next image for example right yeah at what point do you open up the ip for other creatives to play oh, where, sure. where do you start to say okay well now i've got i've got 12 titles that i own i can't do it all when do you start bringing in other writers and and other artists and and start to farm sure. out some of that work but then the challenge is maintaining the quality of the work to match what you've done absolutely um well i'll tell you right now um wirehead's the first one uh it's actually a former student of mine i'm actually a, a professor and i teach uh, art history history of comics and illustration so one of the one of uh, the create the writer on uh, I'm sorry not the writer the the artist of Wirehead is a former student of mine who I've been working with for God years and years and years and he's I feel like he's really ready now it's excellent work so I'm gonna he's the only one I trust <laughs> because I work with him so closely <laughs> and I'm just so swamped with Blood Realm I, I would probably have a a nervous breakdown <laughs> if I ended up <laughs> tackling this thing on so. So yeah, that is the point I would say when you start to like be like, okay, I think I'm going to snap. I need <laughs> to hire an artist. Now, are you putting together a show bible? You've done the you've done the initial character designs. You just hand it over to him and Correct. say, okay, this is what I want it to look like. Go go play. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. And yeah, is, concept it, art, all that. And are you doing Marvel method? You let him draw it first, and you figure out where the words go, or you've got a script and and you're handing it to him and say, okay, this is what I want it to be like. Right. We tried both because I work with, with my own work with Blood Realm. I work in a Marvel method, basically. You know, I, I, I have the ideas in my head. I have lines that I want to say, and I know the pacing of the story. But I like to allow the art to surprise me and sometimes change the direction of certain things. So I go with that. But with, we tried that, but I realized he works best with the script. So we, we adopted, the, uh, we adapted to the, the script format. And then, how are there are there discussions being done uh, as far as Wirehead going to Alterna at some point? Yes, we've Possibly. had discussions with with Peter, so I don't want to reveal anything yet. Well, and that's the other thing too. When you look at all of this, you know, with the crowdfunding and you know the the people who poo poo on the oh well, it's just crowdfunding and they're grifters and or whatever. It's ridiculous. And okay, you're selling. A thousand books. You're selling, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand books, or whatever. Um, you're, you guys are are making money hand over fist. You know, yeah. you know, six figures. Some, you know, I mean, Ethan well, did a million. Some, some, yeah. some people are doing a lot. I haven't hit that yet, so we'll see. <laughs> but at the same time, though, what happens if if a title takes off, like you get a cyber frog, you get a, a jawbreakers, you get a, 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 a downcast or, you know, any of those. Mm -hmm. And they're just the interest. They're just the, they're, they're just this insular project that only a certain people have access to. Right. And then, you know, you get 
some of the breakouts, like I know, I know Downcast is going to Alterna. Mm-hmm. Is that the next step in all of this? Because, you know, with the retailers slowly kind of creeping on board and they're starting yes. to kind of understand that this is where at least part of the industry is going. Mm-hmm. Are there talks among all of you creatives that say, okay, after after the crowdfunding piece, mm-hmm. what's next? Do we do you do we find an, a, a a publisher? How do we get this in front of more people? You know, because you've got you know you've got Mitch Breitweiser uh, doing you know three thousand Walmart stores. And, right, you know, sure. There's, there's been some back and forth and some some bad blood about uh, about Red Rooster in that deal. Right, but. Is that the next step? Is finding some kind of a distribution for single issues that break apart your graphic novel, or if you're going to do an ongoing story, do you do a quarterly or you know every two months or whenever the book comes out? Is that the next step? Is finding a publisher that's that's willing to take that on, and mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, and do. Mm-hmm. 3,000 stores, you know, 100,000 100, copies to get out into, into retail space. Absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, that's 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 why I think Peter is, of Alterna, is just so way ahead of the curve. He's been calling this stuff and telling me, you know, the direction the, the industry is going to go in uh, years ago. And he was he was absolutely correct. So, uh, first off, I, 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 would, I wouldn't – he's the one – uh, I'm happy to have as the captain of the ship, believe me, he's, he's been great. And his model is going to be eventually like if he sees a crowdfunded book that does very well, you know, now he could pick that up and he will break that up into three issues and maybe eventually the alternate giant. So he looks at it as the crowdfunder is the big movie release. And he is the, although I say Blu-ray, he's the red box. <laughs> <laughs> release because <laughs> it's a newsprint, I guess. But yeah, I think that's going to be the future. I mean, he's got to, and you know, looking at these titles, it's it's such a mix. You know, Gods oh, and yeah. Gears, Tinseltown, uh, mm-hmm. Blood Realm, Void Walker. I mean, you've got a little bit of everything here. There's sci-fi. There's horror. There's mm-hmm. there's crime thriller. Um, there's even some kid stuff with you know yeah. mighty mascots and yes, and I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Are there are there talks about Alterna TV. TV as in like shows. As in like TV as shows. in like, okay, well, we've got these these properties. Uh-huh. Let's let's try to put something together as far as like an animated thing or or well, has anybody had that thought? I mean, I know you guys want to make comics to make comics. Right, right. But has there been that blue sky discussion of, oh, what do I do if somebody wants to make a cartoon out of this? Right. Well, that's the thing is that uh, the creators like us, we can do whatever we want with it because Peter has the publishing rights. So that's the thing. So he can't really be under alternative TV because he's not licensing the, gotcha. these, these titles. You know, it's so I know Legends of Log, uh, uh, he is doing ski is going to be doing he's doing, a, I think, an Indiegogo for an animated animated shorts of Log. Oh, OK. So I didn't see fully that one voiced, Yeah. Uh, I forgot. I think Pedro. Is he? I don't remember the animator. But so 
that that that's perfect. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about. So like, it's up to him. It's his responsibility, and he could do it. Yeah. You no, know, Peter can't do it. Well, and I think Ryan Wynn has done some animations uh, sequences right. for some of some of you guys. Yes, yes. He hasn't done Blood Realm yet, which I'm a little offended by. So Ryan, get on that. He's <laughs> doing everybody but Blood Realm. <laughs> add, add to the list, right? Yeah. What the uh, frick? Yeah. Well, uh, Eastland in the chat says, "Do you think pulp paper will ever come back? The paper now that's used is uh, glossy or glossy matte. I know Peter likes to use newsprint. Oh, it's back. Yeah." What's the difference for for those who are not in the in the know? What's the difference between pulp and newsprint? Is there much of one? Because pulp is the really cheap stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say it's not far off from newsprint, and it's it's not very far off at all. Yeah. So, in a way, you kind of have that pulp feeling. That's what I love about Alterna. That was one of the reasons why I wanted uh, to sign with Peter. Is that first off, he was doing. Uh, comics on newsprint and I was like yes that's what comics should be on <laughs> you know get some coffee stains on and hand it over to your friend <laughs> you know what I mean well and I'm looking at at the process here I want to hold this up here you can see uh, mm-hmm. it holds I mean this is not your your traditional the, what you would think of as newsprint right. from back in the day uh, mm-hmm. The process seems a lot cleaner now, and the newsprint, the paper oh, yeah. holds the color really well. Absolutely. I mean, here's here's full color on mm-hmm. on this, uh, and it looks good. It holds up. I mean, the the pages aren't thin. It's you know, it's a it's a solid book. Why aren't the other the traditional publishers doing newsprint? Do you think? I mean, it, that could be an option for them for some books. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, it totally could. I, I don't know. Personally, I don't know why. I mean, I've seen their reasoning on Twitter and it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked, especially when we see how well it holds the color. So I don't know what it is. It's almost like they're ashamed to be pulpy comics again. And that's what drives me nuts is that there's nothing wrong with that. Just like how you have these events where they don't really talk about the comics like DC fandom and all that. It's like, you know, we're, we're comic books first, but it's not. So it's like they need to elevate it somehow. But it's it's okay if we go back to those pulp roots. There's something, I don't know, just authentic about it. Has there been uh, uh, anything in your process where it has gone completely sideways and you had to recover is there is there one of these oh crap what do I do moments? Have you had in any terms of those of, yet? In terms of uh, like any, any part of this process where you're you're coming up with a book, you're coming up with a story, something goes sideways, and now you've got to figure it out because what you're doing is not working. Whether it's whether it's story process or or oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> story you, of my life. Man. How do you how do you handle <laughs> that when you back yourself into a corner on on something? Yeah, so when that happens, I really have to step back for a little bit sometimes. And then I need to, that's most of the time I need to step back. That's really the big thing. I go take a walk. Uh, I know, what's his name? The one who wrote um, Christmas Carol. What's his name? Dickens. Dickens. Uh, He would go on hours long walks to get his mind clear before he wrote a while, you know, or after. So I relate to that. And that when I find myself in a bind like that, I need to take a walk and I'll ask some friends, hey, I need to listen to some music. What's something you could 
recommend or some books that you can recommend to me uh, that can get the juices flowing again. But absolutely. I mean, even career wise, I mean, I, I tell people it's a 10 year journey. I've had ups and downs. It, it took me almost nine and a half years to finally uh, get published because I was in children's book first. I was trying to figure out what I want to do with comics. I got burned uh, when I was, when I did freelance for some smaller companies, uh, didn't get paid because companies folded, like just a lot of learning lessons. So you're going to have a lot of moments where even you said your, your, your dreams are dashed kind of thing. It's going to happen, but you got to pick back up and you just got to, you know, get at it again. Now, are you doing this full time now, or is this still a side, a side hustle for you? It's, it's still, I mean, comics is still, you know, when you're starting out or even, even even mainstream, you know, it's, it's, it is a bit of a mostly side hustle, but it's a full-time side hustle. That's the thing. <laughs> so it's like, it, it feels like a full-time job, yeah. but like I said, I also teach, uh, you know, at the university. So, but the goal is to maybe teach one class and then do all of this stuff. Uh, but yeah. Question in the chat. Are you, are you the type who never uses your first draft? Oh, do, no, my first, do, your, no. do your characters sometimes you, you talk about uh, letting the story kind of take you where you're letting the art kind of uh, take you in different directions sometimes and surprise you. Do sure. your characters do that? Do, do you do you do your first draft? You do your outline. And then as you're going through this, suddenly it kind of takes this left turn that you hadn't planned. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the design of the Sisters of Silence in the Blood Realm comic, uh, they were designed completely different, um, totally different. They looked like almost female Vikings. And what happened was uh, when I was drawing one of the pages, I, and they originally had dialogue, um, I kind of just put the shape there So I, as a placeholder, like, all right, they're going to be here. Let me figure out the rest of the page. Right. And then I looked at that shape and I was like, damn, I really like that shape. I was like, let me use that and play with that. And then their whole character just transformed and evolved. And now, you know, I, I, I can't imagine them the other way now. So it, you have to allow those little things. I know it's corny, but that's what that's what Bob Ross talks about when he says those happy little accidents. <laughs> now, speaking of Bob Ross, and you mentioned Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. other influences in your art, because your art is very distinctive. Um, mm-hmm. it's got a, it's got its own style and, and it does look like it's got some, some influences in various different places. Who, mm-hmm. who do you look to for inspiration or ideas, especially when you get blocked and you're sitting there going, Oh, I don't know what this thing's got to look like. What right. books do you open up to, to get the juices flowing again? Yeah. Uh, I love the work of Mobius. I'm a big fan of European comics and, uh, Sergio Toppi. Those, the Italian illustrator. Uh, I'm a big fan as well of Walt Simonson. Uh, his alien book and Thor, they're like right there, they're, yeah. you know, where I could just grab it. <laughs> Easy access. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love their work. It's just, there's this fluidity to it. And the way Sergio Toppi kind of composed the page, you know, it's, it's just taking the whole page into account, not just the little panels. And I think that's the key. You know, you got to look at all as one big whole. I've noticed uh, in some discussions, especially in the indie crowd space, um, discussions of the European art, the Italians, mm. the you know the yeah. the non-American, oh yeah, uh, artwork. Uh, do you think that it figures in 
uh, fairly heavily with a lot of people, or is it still is it kind of a balance with you know people like Kirby and Ditko? You, you always hear Kirby and Ditko, yeah, and you know Walt Simonson's in there, um, uh, Boris. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to hear, you know, besides Mobius and Giger, I'm starting to hear some yeah. other names from various different parts of Europe. And, sure. and it's, it almost seems like somebody mentioned it. And now there's this, there's this discovery of a whole new oh, facet yeah. of artwork that's, that's coming in to influence uh, you know, the, the indie crowds. Is that Absolutely. is that something that you see trending, or am I just seeing things? No, I, I've I've had a couple of discussions when I would mention the books, and then uh, I know a lot of people who sought it out, and they're like, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, some French illustrator. I think he was a Drouillet. I forgot how to pronounce his name, but I have a bunch of his books, and uh, just incredible stuff. Sloan is is the comic, and just beautiful hardcover books, and just completely unique illustrations, and now that stuff is influencing them. And I, I, then that dives into like, well, what other illustrators there are? And then they share those names with me and I never heard of those. And I think that's what's happening in the indie market is because, you know, everything is the same in the mainstream right now. People mm-hmm. are sick of it. I see a lot more risks being taken with these indie books. Uh, it feels more underground. And because we're, we're so tired of consuming the same type of artwork, same t- same type of layouts and storytelling you know we're we're kind of the ones who are like looking in the other direction well, what are these other guys doing these guys are doing stuff that is completely original and stuff that i haven't seen you know and i think that's what's happening absolutely when you mentioned mobius of course that it, it conjures up metal hurlant mm, heavy metal yeah. as it's as it's known here mm-hmm. um has has anybody come up with the idea? Because at, at one point we had talked about doing uh, a print publication as well, doing kind of like a quarterly thing. But the idea of us doing something like that, since we're mostly a news outfit, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a hard thing to, to come up with a quarterly uh, sure. publication because of the kind of content we generate. Although you could do stuff like interviews and profiles and, and, and think pieces and essays. Sure. But since you guys all own your own IPs, and you know there's no Alterna universe, mm-hmm. has anyone possibly you know, brought up the possibility of doing a heavy metal type of magazine, a quarterly magazine that takes a a, a Blood Realm and a Psycho Ko and you know uh, uh, a Cyber Frog and Jaywalkers, you know, taking many stories and collecting them into its yeah. own thing. How, how, how well do you think something like that would do? I think it would do really well. Um, I know a lot of couple creators actually have reached out to me in regards to that. So that's definitely something people want to do, but I think they decided that it would be mostly original stories, not tied to other books because like, obviously I can't, I don't, I don't believe I'm allowed to publish a blood realm thing outside of Alterna think that's the way it works you know so uh but there's definitely talk of anthology books with little shorts absolutely now would there be room in those for prose because you know we talk about all this crowdfunding we talk about all this indie stuff this is all comics yeah but i would think that there's room in the indie scene for 
original fiction, novels, novellas, short story oh, collections, yeah. all of that, because we haven't seen very much of that yet. No, no, we haven't. I, I personally, I, I guess I'm spoiling this now, but I have an absolute plan to uh, Indiegogo uh, my sci-fi novel. So I, that's, I think that's something I definitely want to do. I have it, you know, proofread and everything like that. It's just, you know, I think I just, I've always been someone who wants to, like I said, own my own stuff and distribute my own stuff. So that's why when all was, all this was happening, I was like, I'm on board. This, this has been what I've been, I've been dreaming of. So now to be able to do that with all my projects and in all facets, I think that's really exciting. So I'm going to give that a shot. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, Eastland in the chat, uh, what I'm talking about, something like Astounding Stories. Uh, yes. Um, we, last year, uh, last April, we ran a number of interviews with the people that uh, worked at Starlog Magazine. And uh, we have we have mentioned it a, a number of times here that one of our influences was Starlog. And we were ecstatic to see that Fan Fangoria came back because I was I was in the emails with the Fangoria people saying, okay, does that mean that Starlog's next? And they're like, well, it's, it's been mentioned. And, and that's as far as it got. And then, of course, everything blew up with, Fan with Fangoria and, and uh, Birth of Movies Death and Cinestate and all of that. So we don't know what's going on you know what's going to happen with that next but this idea of doing a magazine again doing a print publication oh, yeah. oh, uh, when i was talking to dave mcdonald about it you know he he was the he was the managing editor for starlog for a number of years and one of the things that that he found both interesting and confounding is the fact that with the internet you have all of this unlimited space to do your articles. You could do an article that could be, you know, a thousand words or 10,000 words. You're not having to pay for the publishing, you know, pay for the paper mm -hmm. and all of that. You have all of this room, but everybody's only consuming the little articles. It's all, it's all cheap, you know, read it on the fly, you know, on the bus, on, in, between, in between appointments type of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's an opportunity there that got missed, I think. But do, going back to print, because everybody's on their devices all the time, it would seem like there's a this year has kind of given us a little bit of a reset button on some things. And with the success of all of these crowdfunded books, I have to wonder if there's room for a, a, a new Starlog type of publication, maybe not necessarily... You know, quarterly, maybe every six months, every couple of months. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And you could do stuff like that. I would love to to start printing, you know, publishing fiction and and have people submit stories to us and we put it out on our website. Um, but I I don't want to do it for free. You know, I don't want to pay an exposure. <laughs> I I'd rather you know do do have some some way of compensating people. So you know, that's always been in the back of my head that you know. The indie comics have proven that the model works. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for somebody to take that model, take that concept, and start applying it in other places, whether it's a, whether it's a magazine or a short story anthology or, like you're talking about, the novels. 
Yes. In other in other things other than comics, I think there's an opportunity here to do the same oh, yeah. thing and have the same kind of success mm-hmm. using the model that now has been proven because you've got multiple creators that are doing more than one project. Yes. You know, it was different when it was just this is your first one. Mm-hmm. But now a lot of a lot of you guys have gotten through the first one. The fulfillment has happened, and and you're on to the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one. And Polito is what in fifteen or twenty by now. The model's been proven to work, so mm-hmm. let's let's do the other thing now. Where where do we go from here? Sure. Oh, I'm right there with you, a hundred percent. I had every intention of eventually doing a novel or even a. Uh, I wanted to do an old style like uh, pulp mag, like Weird Tales, with different short stories of mine that I've written. Oh, that would and, be fun. Yeah, I'm dying to do that because I have all little shorts of different genres, you know, and I think it'd be so wild. And then I, maybe I could hire out some different illustrators to do an illustrative piece for it for each story. So, and maybe it could come out, you know, once a year. Who knows? I yeah. don't know. Um, maybe called Thrilling Tales, whatever. You know, it'll be a real pulp 1930s 10-cent magazine, you know? But we wouldn't sell for 10 cents. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Well, and, and we had talked at one point because, you know, you've got all of this all of this uh, uh, stuff that's in the public domain mm-hmm. over on uh, places like Project Gutenberg, for example. Uh, right. And one exactly. of the things that we had talked about doing was is reformatting those in uh, into our own editions, because, you know, the Sci-Fi sure. Channel did it for a while. Sci-Fi Channel had their own, you know, Sci-Fi Classics collection. Yeah. I don't see why we couldn't do something like that. With print-on-demand totally being it. a thing now, sure, oh, why yeah. not? So there's, the possibilities are, are endless when it comes to the kind of things that you could do. Now the question is, is anybody going to pay for it? Right. I, I think there's an, there's an audience for everything, yeah. literally everything. Uh, when I sent Blood Rum out to different publishers, uh, the big ones told me that the art was too risky mm. and the story itself was too risky, you know, but they, they're like, we like it, but you know, it, it doesn't look like traditional stuff. And clearly, you know, it, people were craving something different because it's all Turner's bestseller right now. So I think that that's the thing. People want something new. Yeah. Is there something to the, the criticism, the, the, the notion that, this is a niche market when you only have, you know, when you're only selling a thousand books or fifteen hundred books or five thousand. I mean, granted, in some cases they're doing better than your traditional publishers like DC or Marvel. But DC and Marvel are putting out a book every month, yeah. whereas the the indie crowd, the crowdfunding, you're doing maybe a book a year every three months, depending on mm-hmm. what your what your your process is for the creative sure and the question of sustainability keeps coming up Mm -hmm. how do you how do you get to that point of legitimacy or it doesn't even matter i guess is the other part of that question where the 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 professionals Mm -hmm. uh, look at crowdfunding and say okay, this is a legitimate way to do this that's not our way but it's still a way uh, so you're saying when when does that happen? Yeah, when does it? When do we cross that Rubicon and 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 this gets a little bit more legitimacy in the eyes of n- not just the market that it serves, but in the overall marketplace? Well, I think it's maybe when p- publishers start doing what Alterna's doing is taking those books 
that are successful on crowdfund crowdfunding and everything, and then now uh, making a publishing deal with them. So that could suddenly change things, you know. But but it's interesting. I don't know completely. I think also a lot of these creators need to wake up. These quote pros, and again, some of them I know, uh, need to stop being stubborn, you know, and 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 say, hey, there's different ways we can consume comics, and this is great, and stop bashing it like yeah. a child, because you know that's ridiculous. <laughs> We're all adults here, and this just means that there's more comics for people. But you know what? Look what they did to EC Comics, right? They tried to drive them out of, out of business because their stuff was too, it was too hot on the shelves. The images were just unlike anything they had ever seen to the point where they, they made a big fuss that the imagery was too dark and you know, they shut them down, basically. They forced them to shut down. Right. And it's kind of like what they were doing to Peter and what they're doing with crowdfunding because they're scared. And really, I mean, th this is the new wave of, indie, of underground comics, because comics always kind of went against the grain, you know? I mean, that was the appeal of it. And that's what these books are doing. They don't look like your, your status quo stuff. You know, people are tired of that. And that's, that's the true appeal, in my opinion, to this stuff. And that's what people need to wake up to. And when you're saying that some of the, some of the bigger publishers are afraid, you know, given, given the cross the transmedia aspects of of some of the content that they're doing we we saw uh, what Jim Lee said at the DC Fandom right. where they're basically talking about the comics still feed into everything in terms of the IP and and the characters mm -hmm. and and whatnot but it's now the the scope is how do we make these characters work in comics and TV and film and video games exactly. and, and, and digital and all this other stuff? Whereas, uh -huh. you know, is it now we have to be careful that we don't lose this character that we've had for 80 years? I mean, you look at Dynamite's got a number of licenses for, for characters, things like oh, right. Sonya and Vampirella. Sure. Are they are they sort of kind of in a box that they can only do so much and before they start to risk losing that license? I mean, DC and Marvel they've got their own characters. Yeah. But you look at somebody like Dynamite that's publishing characters they don't own. Sure. You know they're at risk because that's their model. They don't have a whole lot of of Dynamite original. They've got right. everything that belongs to somebody else. Mm -hmm one misstep and everybody that owns everything else can walk away from dynamite and then, and then Nick Barucci's done. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the difference, you know, you know, like with Alterna and everything when it's creator owned. I mean, dynamite's stuck because he's really at the whim of the licensors. So yeah. that's a very tricky situation and why eventually well, that's why people are gravitating to the creator owned realm. How much feedback are you guys getting for your work as, as opposed, you know, because, you know, you look at in the old days, you know, mm -hmm. they had the letters column in the back of, uh, you know, DC, you had direct currents and I think Marvel yeah. had something. Do you guys get a lot of feedback on on the books that you guys are, that y'all are doing? From from like readers from and readers? stuff like that? Yeah. From, from oh, yeah. Say, yeah. Hey, I love this. I don't like this. Why did you do that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I get tagged in, in comments. I get, I mean, there's videos, people review it on, I, I was honored when I saw people were making <laughs> reviews of Blood Realm on YouTube. I was like, my God, 
and look, there's people who don't enjoy it, but you're well, you're absolutely entitled to not enjoy it. You know, that if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But I've I also got, you know, wonderful uh, uh, readers who are like theorizing what's going to happen next and stuff like that. That's the most exciting part. It's like, well, you know, are you going to take, is this character going to come back and stuff like that? You know, is, is this prophesizing, you know, is this a prophecy for what's going to come later? So uh, that stuff gets me fired up. And absolutely, the, the response has been tremendous and really is that's what galvanizes me to keep making these books. <laughs> uh, you're on, you mentioned uh, getting tagged. You're on Twitter, Twitter. Geron- Geronimo Draws, and mm-hmm. then also Instagram, same handle. Right, Geronimo Draws. And YouTube. Are are you taking pitches from other writers for for projects and say, hey, I, I want to work with you. I want to I want to do some stuff. Are you are you taking uh, samples from artists? Are you actively seeking out people to collaborate with right now, or do you have your team and your set? I'm definitely open to checking out uh, artwork because what I like to do is um, I like to put a little guest gallery in, in, in at the back of the um, Alterna Giants. So it's cool to see some people's version of the Blood Realm characters. And also it's a good way, you know, to, for people to get a little eyes on, you know, uh, indie artists. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're drawing a Blood Realm character or something like that, you could totally send it to me or show me some of your work. Maybe we could, uh, I could put you in the back of the, uh, the guest gallery. All right. Robert Geronimo, thank you very much for your time today, sir. Well, thank you, Jason. Um, Pleasure. Yeah, the Wirehead goes live in, you said? October. October. Okay, so the yeah. sign-up sign up sheet is there now. And yes. uh, we've got a we've got a link to it in our show notes, and of course, when mm-hmm. it goes live, we'll uh, we'll have you back and we'll talk about oh, it a little bit. That'd be great. Yeah, if you sign up for the pre-launch, you get a, an exclusive sticker when you back the book. A sticker. Well, you know yeah. what? That gives me my opportunity to mention our sticker. Oh, because we've got very nice. And, I like it. And those of you uh, who are watching the show, or if you're if you're listening to the podcast, you should be watching the show. If you would like to have a sticker of your own, you could send us a self-addressed stamped envelope. Sci-Fi for Me, fifteen oh three Main Street, number three oh five Grandview, Missouri six four zero three zero. Or you can send us an email and do it the old-fashioned way, uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me dot com. If you have somebody that you would like us to invite to be a guest. Uh, you can send us those suggestions as well, and we do always welcome your feedback. And I will eventually read the mail on on the air at some point when I get to it. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today. We're still working on guest lineups for the rest of the week. Don't forget tonight at uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time, we will have uh, the H2O podcast. Mr. Harvey and I will be going over all of the recent announcements from DC Fandome. And then I will be back here tomorrow at noon central. And tomorrow night, the latest Star Wars news, Mac will be here with another episode of Salacious Crumbs. So make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you have the notifications turned on because the email notifications are no longer a thing. Sign up for our newsletter. Be back here tomorrow. Wash your hands. Tip your waiter. And leave us a thumbs up on the way out. Thanks for watching, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.